0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You know, 1 Peter 4, eight says that the love of God covers a multitude of sin. That's good news when you've had a multitude of sin. But He loves you, okay? I don't know, just who that. Just receive that. just And Father God, I welcome that today. He loves you. All right, to move forward, I'm going to... Ask if you need a Bible to get your hand up real high. Get a Bible in your hand, and we, we honor you as a guest. We welcome you here tonight. If, like I said, if you need a Bible, get your hand up. I, I like to get the Word of God in your hand, and I know some people have stuff on their phones and that, but it's very important that you get the Word of God in you. You get the Word in you, you get God in you. You get the Word only through faith, and when you get faith, you starve your doubts. Listen, if you've got a Bible, go with me to Mark 7. This is where we'll begin tonight. As you're turning to Mark 7, just a couple things on the, the announcements. Uh, baptisms are a week from tonight. If you've never been watered baptized, you really need to get signed up for that. That is a significant thing in your life. Very important in what we do. We will move the drum cage out and move these steps right up there where your family members can watch you. Go wonder and let God change your life. So that's next Wednesday night. Also, I encourage you to get involved with the shoebox stuff. Just so You watch the, the joy on those little kids to see that stuff. And so not only they're giving them a gift, they're putting the word of God in children's lives. And I love the one where the little girl says, I can't wait to get home and tell my mom and dad. Tell them about Jesus. So so, Get involved in that. Okay, we're going to begin in Mark 7. Once again, I'm going to talk tonight about an area of faith, but areas that sometimes we get hung up and they cause hindrances in our life. They keep us from fulfilling what God wants us to have and be. And a lot of times, we want the blessings of God without having a relationship with God. Huge difference. So here's a question just to start Do you have a relationship with Jesus? See, there's a big difference between having a relationship with him and being religious. How many of you have ever had someone look at you and say, Boy, you're really a religious person. When I tell them that, I'll tell them I don't have a bit of religion in me. I love Jesus, i got a relationship, but I don't want to be religious. I want to know Jesus, and so I want to talk a little bit about how important it is for us to learn to get into his presence, to learn to fellowship with him, to learn to communicate with him. God loves for those things to happen, and that's the way we develop intimacy. So let's begin. Mark 7, verse number 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem, came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. They found fault. If we're not careful when we're always finding fault with people, it's either a sign that you're really religious or you got a lot of pride in you. I don't don't know if that's one of the, the qualities of the characteristics you have, but if you're a person that's always finding fault with everything, ask God to help you. Ask God to change you. I don't know about you. I don't like to be around people that are always nitpicking me. Yeah, kick, kick, kick. I like to be around people that will encourage you, exhort you, love you. And I think that's just how Jesus was. When Jesus got around the sinners, do you ever recall one time where he found fault in them? No, never. He always loved them. And this is the key. Keep ready. Verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way Holding tradition of the elders, which is the tradition of mankind, when they came from or when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things. Now I want you to highlight that many other things, and you're going to hear me reference things several times tonight. Many other things which they have received and they hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So everything they were talking about was an external observation or an external exercise. Look what I'm doing outwardly. And all that does is give people an appearance of, Boy, he's really religious. And so they asked Jesus this question, And he answers in verse 6, and he answered them and said, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? He refers to them as a hypocrite right here. Now, the word hypocrite means to pretend to be something that you're not and to have no intentions of ever being that. Just an, an appearance, just to show. Now, I will tell you this. When, when people are living in sin, a lot of times they'll say this to me. I, I don't want to come to church because I don't want people to feel like I'm a hypocrite. That's not the reason you're coming to church. Is the reason you're coming to church to do all these outward things? Or is your reason to come to church to say, man, Lord, I just want to praise you. I just want to give my heart right. And if you're a sinner, good, come. We welcome you. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites here. You worship God for the wrong reasons, is what He's telling them. Everything that you do was about a show. In other words, there was nothing to do with your heart. One of the greatest prayers we can have this is say, "Lord, teach me to worship You from my heart," or just pour out your heart before Him. So He says that Isaiah prophesied this. Of you, you hypocrites. And he goes, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. My paraphrased edition of that would be, you know how to talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. There's nothing from your heart here. He says next, and in vain or with no purpose or an emptiness, they worship me. Teaching as the doctrine, the commandments of men. So right here, their, their traditions of man-made things was more important to them than the commandments of God. What should have been the primary was the secondary. And Jesus deals with it right here. And then he goes on to say in verse number 8, For laying aside the commandments of God... You hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other things you do. So literally, he's saying you've substituted the things of God. He said to them all too well: you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. So the things of man was more important than the things of God here. And and when I look at these, that their goal here was more to attain a profit, to have status quo to be looked upon by other men instead of saying, Lord Jesus, I just want to bow before you. I come in here with an agenda just to love you and just to honor you. And so it becomes very easy for every one of us as believers to come in here with the wrong reason. You know, I can stand down here Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and raise my hands toward Jesus, but my heart be on the Cowboys game. Have you ever done things like that? Yeah, I have where I just kind of go through the motions, and I sense God saying, listen, I don't want you to play church. I don't want you to play Christian. I want your heart. Now, if you'll note there, he referenced what Isaiah prophesied. Go with me to Isaiah 29, and let's just see exactly what Isaiah prophesied right here. It's Isaiah 29, and just for time's sake, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 9. And read just several verses to get kind of a general idea where he's heading this, with this. Isaiah 29, verse 9. Pause and wonder, stop and think. Blind yourself and be blind. He was talking about to the things of God. If you're going to blind yourself to the things of God, then you're just literally going to be blind. They are drunk. You know what one translation says? They are stupid but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely to what the prophet said, and he's covered your heads, namely to the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I'm not literate." Therefore the Lord, and this is what he prophesied right here, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but they've removed their hearts far from me, and their fear or their reverence toward me is taught by the commandment of men. And so once again here, it's more about an appearance but when I read this, the Lord's wanting our heart. He's wanting us to be sincere. He's wanting us to have a passion. He's wanting it to be a devotion that says, you know what? I just want to come before you and praise you. Now, in saying that, how many things do we do that we have a passion for in this natural realm called earth, but we don't have a passion for God? You, you watch a football games right now. Man, people got a passion. People are crazy about football. They'll paint themselves. They'll, they'll tailgate. Man, I mean, they will just go at it all day. People are passionate about a concert. I mean, when Paul McCartney was coming here, people were crazy. Just goofy over that. People get very passionate about Christmas. I know women, man, just go, go nuts over getting all the decorations out. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But I've got to go back and I've got to look at my life when I have a more of a passion for those things than I do for God. Now, I'm not talking just to you. I'm speaking to myself because I realize I want a passion to serve God. I want to come into His presence. Now, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The problem most of the time as human beings, we live that verse backwards. We seek first the things and then if we got any leftovers, we'll give God our time. That verse right there tells me God's not against us having things if we do it in the right order. It's if if he's saying, come on guys, give me your heart, give me your best and then you're going to enjoy life because you know what? Your pleasure, your passion isn't going to be on who wins the Super Bowl. Guess what? Ten years from now, who cares who won the Super Bowl? So what? The things of heaven are eternal. Now, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 10, and I want you to see some things in this passage as far as it is a talking about things. And, and understand, as we're turning here, God sees my heart. God sees my motives. I can come in here and act like I'm so stinking spiritual and fool you, or you can fool me. But understand in Galatians 6, not the Lord said, don't be don't be deceived, don't fool yourself, don't kid yourself. God is not mocked. In other words, don't treat God as a fool. He looks at our heart. So we pick up this passage right here, Luke 10. And let's begin in in, in verse number 38. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. Hmm. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, he doesn't negate what Martha was doing. But he was concerned about distractions. She was distracted with much serving. So as I read this, I have to ask myself in my own life, what distracts me from my serving Jesus to the degree that he wants me to? So she says all this, and she says, tell my sister to come help. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Things again. You're troubled about many things. And so when I look at this here and begin to see this, the things here had caused her to uh, under-emphasize the one thing that needed to be priority. So after he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, he then clarifies the things, and he says in verse 42, listen, but one thing, One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So if we jump back to to verse 39, what was the one thing that Mary knew was the secret? To get at Jesus' feet and hear the Word of God. What does it mean to get at the feet of Jesus? That's saying, man, I've got to come into His presence. I've got I to hang out with him. And as if Jesus was telling Martha, Martha, chill, you're missing stuff here, girl. The one thing is the needed, the special sauce, if you'll learn to get on my word and come to my feet on a daily basis, everything else will work out. But I love he said, Mary's found the one good thing. Mary knows the secret to life. And I believe it's the same for every one of us in here. That I've got to learn, not just on a Sunday, but on a daily basis to say, Lord, I want to get in your presence. I I want to read the Word, and here's the thing about the Word of God. God's not looking for you to read the Word with quantity. He's looking for you to read the Word with quality. I I remember as a young believer, I could sit here and tell you, well, I, I read three chapters of the book today. Well, tell me one thing that was written in there, and I'd have looked and blinked like a cow at a new gate. I, I can't tell you one thing. So if that happens in your own life, understand this. You're not reading for quantity. You're just reading to say, I'm reading. But if I'll take time and say, Lord, speak to me through your word. Let your word be a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Let the Word of God come on the inside of me. And as I hang out with Jesus, man, it's a form of worship. You can worship Jesus in the shower. It doesn't move him a bit. But I've got to take that time. Think about this in the natural. We feed our, our natural man three hot meals a day, whether we need it or not. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're spiritually starving. So right here, he wasn't wasn't concerned so much that she was distracted with all those things. He didn't say, don't ever do those. He said, the key to life is to get that one thing. And when you got that one thing in you, it's going to sustain you all day. It's going to help you all day. Because guess what's going to happen? There's going to be things that are going to try to distract you all day. And every time I yield to a distraction, have you ever thought it may be because the devil doesn't want you getting in the Word? If you ever set a time and say, man, I'm going to get in the Word at 9 in the morning, probably the doorbell's going to ring at 9. You're going to get a phone call. Something's going to try to happen to keep you from getting the Word. The devil doesn't want you to get in it. You know why? Because the Word of God is the breakfast of champions. It's the spiritual Wheaties. The Word will pump you up. Right there on the inside. I remember I heard a guy say this before. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I used to look at him and think, what's he talking about? Well, I know. Just on the inside, his faith and his trust in God. So, here's the thing about each one of us. If we've been dominated with things and we've had distractions, what do I do? We'll go to James 4. Go to James 4, and we're going to try to answer some of those questions for you tonight. Because God just saying, just as He did to Martha. Come on, Martha. Come back to my feet. Come back and hang out with me. James chapter 4, verse number 8. Bless you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That's an interesting statement. It didn't say... God is going to draw near to you, and then you draw near to him. He said, You draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Now you know why he said that? Because God will never force you to do nothing. And so it's if God's just sitting there waiting, saying, I- I'm waiting. It's kind of like checkers. I gave you the first move. And if you'll draw near to me, he said, I'll draw near to you. Now, what an invitation! That the creator of everything, the creator of the universe is inviting me and you to draw near to him. And when he talks about drawing near to him, he says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to have an encounter with you. And even in, in Exodus 33 with the man Moses, he said this, that he fellowshiped with Moses just as a man would his friend. And he called Moses by his name. Do you know God knows your name? He knows who we are. So we draw near to God. How do we draw near to God? He keeps telling me in the verse 8. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. The way I cleanse my hand as a sinner is I come into his presence and I just repent. You know, your sins before God aren't a mystery to him. When you start confessing your sins, he doesn't go, he knows, he's not. So you might as well just tell him, God, this is what's going on in my life, I'm all goofed up. And so he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, get your heart right, because it's the issue, you double-minded. Now when he talks about a double-minded person, a double-minded person is a person that he wants to hold on to the world the same time he holds on to the things of God. I'm a saint on Sunday. I'm a sinner on Monday. And I become distracted and there becomes a pull. So he addresses that and he says, listen, you can't be double-minded. You're either all in or you're all out. There's no straddle in the border. So he invites us to come in. Verse 9, lament and mourn and weep. And the reason he's saying that, because when we stray away from the things of God, it's as if we become disloyal to him. So we say, come on back. I want you to be loyal. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So he he gives us a couple things we need to do that are very important. I draw close to him. I embrace sorrow and conviction. I embrace it. You ought to embrace when the Holy Spirit convicts you. I didn't say condemn you. He doesn't condemn. He convicts you. And the reason He convicts you is to get your heart back. And then right there, not only does He say embrace sorrow and conviction, I'm to humble myself. And when I humble myself, He said, listen, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up. Same chapter. Look at verse 5. This is a really good verse. James 4, verse 5. Or do you not think the scripture says in vain? The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. That word yearns jealously means he longs for you intensely. Do you know the Bible says God's a jealous God? That's how much he loves us. And when I think of the word jealous, you've got to look at it in a good light. God doesn't want to share you. He loves you that much. He says, I want you to be all mine because you're my kids. And so he gives us a little insight in here. Now, here's the issue a lot of times for us. When all I ever do is petition him with my needs and my wants. All I ever do and come before God say, Father God, I want this, I need that, I need this, I want that, I need this. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I want, I need, I want, I need. When there's no fellowship. When there's no relationship. And not only does that become a hindrance, that becomes a block. That God wants to know us intimately. That God wants every bit of us. And so when, when, when I try to serve God on my terms and not His terms, it's if I treat God like a slot machine. It's if I treat God that you give me my daily fix. Give me my fix. Lord. I want a fix, but I don't want to serve you. I want you to be good to me. I want you to be the covenant God that you said you would be to me, but I don't want to be in covenant. The Bible's very clear that we are like the bride of Christ. It's like a marriage relationship. So often as believers, we want the benefits of a marriage without being married. I don't want to give him my heart. And a lot of times this is what gets us in trouble as believers. We're like, I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. Well, here's a great question. Are you married to him? What does your soul long for? What is your soul hungry for? Do you know in Psalm 42, King David says this, as the deer panteth for the water, my soul longeth after thee, the living God. Does my soul longeth after him like that? Where I said, today, Lord, I've got to come into your presence. I've got to hang out with you. I want to fellowship with you. Now, I've got one more passage of Scripture that you really need to see. Go to Revelations 3. Revelations chapter 3. What's the appetite of my soul today? God wants us to come around him every day, hang out with him. And it's kind of like a parent. I know a lot of you aren't parents, but you may be one day. And the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. But you know, as a parent, you love when your kids come around you. Just to hang out with you. Not to say, man, I need some money to go to the movie." I'm hungry, I need to go here, I need, I need some new shit. I need this. I'm go- but something happens when we just hang out with them. And the older my mom and dad get, you know what I find out they want to do? They just want to sit on the back porch, have a glass of tea and talk. That's the same with Father God. He just wants to hang out with us. just wants to talk with us. But i got to give him my time. Revelations 3, verse 20. Jesus talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. Now you know what is happening right now. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Now, now note real quick what he's talked about here. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, often we don't hear we don't hear the door knocking. We don't hear his voice. You know why? We've become so distracted with this life. But he says, if anyone hears the, the knock and hears my voice and opens the door, if you'll know right there, it never mentions one time that Jesus is waiting just to kick the door in to break it in. He's not going to do that. Jesus knows the only way of legal entry is if you open the door and say, come on in, Jesus. Come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. And be, be my friend. And so he goes on to say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. Now, when Jesus wrote this right here, he wasn't talking to people to come and get born again. He wasn't talking to sinners at all right there. Actually, you know who he was talking to? If you looked at verse 14, uh, Revelations 3 14, it says, And to the church at Laodicea. He was speaking to believers. And you know who the believers he was talking to? If we read verses 14, 15, and 16, he's talking to a lukewarm church or a lukewarm believer or Christians that are complacent. And complacent is, if I got time, Lord Jesus, I'll come. I'll hang out with you. But if I don't have time, Get over it. Now there's some great words in here when we jump back to verse twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him. Jesus wants to eat, eat a meal with you. What does dining represent? It represents intimacy. It represents fellowship. What do you do when you go and dine someone? You don't just sit there all day and stare at each other. No, there's some there's some communication, and this is exactly what Jesus wants to do. And when he uses the word dine, this is what I begin to see, that the word dine has to do with eating. It has to do with hungry. And so he said, I want to dine with you, but what are you hungry for? What's your spiritual appetite? Because my spiritual thermometer is what am I hungry for? Am I hungry to get into the presence of God? Or am I so distracted with the things of this world? But he wants to hang out. And Jesus isn't against blessing us. He's not against all the things, but he just wants it in the right order. You know, if you've ever been sick physically, one of the first things that goes is your appetite. What about spiritually? I can lose my appetite. So what are you hungry for? See God loves us. He loves every one of us. And I encourage you to develop a time. It may be 5 minutes. And then it may go to 10, to 20, to 30 where you say, "Man, I just got to hang out with Jesus." And I think about this in the natural. Before me and Shelley were married, that's a lot of moons ago now. Well, man, we're getting old. But if I made a date with her, I wouldn't break it for nothing. For nothing. And some of you right now that are in love, and ooh you know what I'm talking about. You spend hours together and you take them home, and when you get home, the first thing you do, you pick up the phone and call them. Well, you've been with them for three hours. Why? I like that intimacy. I like that fellowship. And see, that's the same thing with Father God. He said, listen, I just want you to come around me. I just love you. But it all comes back to me. What's my hunger? Because he's knocking. And he's a a loving God. He's a loving Savior. Why don't you stand up? Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.